Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, in one league, I started off five and a haven't won a week since. Oh, that is rough. It hurts, and and, and I knew it was going to happen because uh, the week I did lose, I I lost. I was in first, and I played the guy in second. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were both five and zero at the time. Yeah, uh, I put up one sixty and half point PPR. Uh, he put up one eighty, and after and after that, I knew I was like, this is just yeah. going to be. You know, when you put it all on the line and you lose, that's it. It's over for your team. Even though they don't right. know, they know. That's how it works. Yeah. You can feel it. Yeah, you can feel it, and uh, it happened. So mm-hmm. I became a, a little bit of a sad panda <laughs> for that moment. Yeah. Um. So if I do ramble, uh, I I. I um, I'm currently passing a kidney stone. Oh my and I'm on, god! And I'm and on painkillers right now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I'm I'm on painkillers right now. So, oh my uh-huh. god! How are you doing this? I, like I've never like I wouldn't even wish that on like my like my worst enemy. I've heard those are terrible. It's not fun. It's not fun. It hurts. It's 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 not my first rodeo. I've already passed one before, so oh I already kind of like know the drill and everything. I had yeah. some painkillers uh, saved up from last time. Yeah. As like an emergency, and I knew so. Like on my lunchtime, I came. Uh, I felt it coming. It started hurting. I came home real fast. I took a couple, and then I went back to work. I didn't do anything because obviously, I I was definitely uh, immobile. I guess would be the proper word. Yeah, but I mean, you're a better man than I am. I <laughs> shoot, that man, I wouldn't be able to make it. Yeah. It's expensive to live in California. I heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> so, so you, you do some questionable you gotta, things. Do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I really want something in this uh, fantasy industry to start creating some sort of income. All right. Well, I that, however, I can help. There we go. Yeah. I appreciate. I, it. I will do that. I appreciate. It. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, who's his son? He's the one that edits, edits these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I always usually try to leave a message for him. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know if you have something to tell him. Get this episode out before Sunday. Yeah, yeah, you can do that, please. Um, I I gave him an assignment, so I gave him one. I don't know his name. Okay. And two, I wanted some something embarrassing of Hoos, something like you know he did that I could drop some information. Like he could be rambling in the group chat, or he could say something, and I could be like, you know, yeah, okay, but you like uh, finger up your butthole or something like that. <laughs> I don't know him like just, that. Just, just <laughs> drop him. Like, I, you know, like right now, I'm always on the who's his beard doesn't connect. And, you know, I could say that for a while, but it's mm-hmm, it's going to get mm-hmm. old. It's going to okay. get old. I need something else. And I told him to do that for me last week. I have his email because I always drop him the uh, the the episode link and the, yeah. the the file and everything. But he hasn't responded back. And mm. I'm kind of disappointed in him. That that is kind of messed up. That that's messed up. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, do, just do better. Do better. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Like I need this information. Like yeah. I had the opportunity the other day to say something, but I couldn't because all of a sudden he was he was all showing off that oh I got top five for the expert consensus rank because that's cool and all, but you like a finger up your butt. Right. <laughs> Now that now that's gonna be on my mind. Like anytime you post <laughs> in the chat, I'm just like, I know it's not true, but I'm just gonna. I'm in the back of my mind, I'm just to be like, eh, but he likes his, he likes the finger. Yeah, but, but, like, yeah. yeah, that's the point. Yeah, I mean it's 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, do you, brother? But I mean, hey, I just I heard that. Yeah, yeah I heard that about you. <laughs> like, 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 I know, I know he he was heavily into crypto. I'm sure that didn't go well for him right now. Um, 
but that's not good enough for me. Like I need something on like a twist. I need like a twist the knife info. <laughs> that's, that's not good enough. So so we need somebody to do some recon yeah. or something like that to so somebody needs to go down to Miami mm -hmm. and uh and you know do some scouting for us. Yes, yes. And, and we can figure this out. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean we have I mean, his you're not son, right? my arm. I'll go down to Miami yeah, yeah. for for a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll find, I, I'll, I'll get something on him. I think it's a good idea. You get to go have Miami. You know, good weather. Yeah, enjoy yourself and get it's some a information. Fun city to me. go hang out in. Yeah, I've never been there though. Oh man, you you gotta go. I mean, you you definitely gotta go. When? There's a oh man, I can't see now. I gotta look it up. Uh... Come on, who's his son? Is his hairline receding? Come on, give me something like that. Is he insecure about his hairline? Right. Now you got to go down to uh, Wynwood. Uh, Wynwood, it's, uh, it's like a, a neighborhood or something like that in Miami where like they do a whole bunch of like graffiti and stuff like that, like on most of the buildings, the bars and whatever you go down there. And it's like, but it's cultural. It's not just like random graffiti or whatever. It like kind of represents like oh. the people or like the, the neighborhoods or whatever that that's a part of the uh, a part of the city. And uh, the last time I was down there, um, they had, it was like on the side of, uh, I mean, it's like an 1820 store, like hotel. Uh -huh. And it's a, um, and it's a picture of just like a, an, an African child, like crying. And it was just like, it was like, but it was just like right there, like on the side of a hotel. And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, like for them to allow, uh, for them to allow folks to put up like that, that much art, like on the side of uh, maybe of a business. I mean, really, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I was just like, man, they they really they really let the people that live there make it their home. Yeah. And uh, it it was it was actually kind of moving to to see something like that. So while a lot of folks associate Miami with, I mean, with partying and uh, you know clubs and women, cars, and you know, and and all that. Uh, there is like that part of Miami that is like for the people that live there, right? Mm -hmm. It's a touristy mm -hmm. city, but like if you if you live there and you're a part of that culture, like you, they really do make you feel a part of it. Yeah, and I'm looking at right now Google and the images, and damn, these artworks are really nice. Yeah, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. Okay, that's on the to do list. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. And so Lucid does have some facilities in Florida, and we do a lot of traveling for it. So I might have to see if I could try to get myself to go over there for a little bit. Yeah. There we go. So you might wind up moving to Florida if you stay there for too long. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I mean, you won't get any like discount or anything like that in terms of cost of living if you move down to Miami. Yeah, uh, I, I figured. I figured. Uh, usually, people leave California for a cheaper area. Yeah, they come to that. Ohio. That's what they, <laughs> they, they come to my part, my, yeah. my part of the country. Yeah. How do you feel about that when you see a bunch of uh, Californians or uh, Westerners? Oh, in Ohio? Yeah. Do well, they actually? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. bring, bring, I mean, honestly, I mean, look, look, I live in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio. Bring mm -hmm. your culture my way, please. Like this, like it's it's me and that's it like in terms of black folks, like I graduated from a high school that had, mm -hmm. it was like my family, like me and my, my two siblings, like we accounted for probably like 20% of the black population at my high school. And that's not even, I'm not even joking. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to come out here I mean, bring your culture with you, bring your tacos. 
Right? Like, bring your food. Uh huh. Like, I'd appreciate it. Uh-huh. You know. Cool. Hmm. There we go. Alrighty. Let's see. How am I gonna think of an intro? Okay, I think I got one. Let's run it. All right. <clears throat> I hit record. All right. You know, I was sitting here trying to think of embarrassing things. And being a Raiders fan, I think, is the most embarrassing thing out there. I, I, uh, you know, I'm trying to think like, okay, uh, say I were to poop my pants in high school. Eh, still not as embarrassing. You know, if I was to maybe get my account hacked and they put up a bunch of embarrassing pictures. Still not as embarrassing as being a Raiders fan. There's, there's. I don't know. Like, like I'm trying to think. Like, what is more embarrassing than being a Raiders fan? And it's not that I hate the Raiders, but it's just fun to watch them lose. And the way they do it in dramatic fashion, where they always blow a lead. I, you know, I have a buddy who's a Raiders fan, and uh, every single time they're up about 17-0, 20 to four. It's sorry, the four, 20 to seven, you know, 16-3, so on and so forth. And you know, we always message each other, and I always said. You know, you know they're gonna blow it, right? And uh, it, it somehow it always seems to happen. So, what, what's going on, guys? Thirty-two bit and sleeper nation it is your boy Natter, not alongside the number one Australian analyst. Unfortunately, he's not feeling well. But of course, I'm alongside the legend Chris Allen. How you doing over there? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we are coming up on the last few weeks of the fantasy football season. Mm-hmm. So for me. I'm I'm just happy we we made it, and I'm happy for the fact that there is some some extra sleep and some rest in on the on the horizon for me and the rest of the folks that have been grinding this 2022 season. And I I agree with you. There, like there aren't too many other franchises that it could be more embarrassing to root for at mm-hmm. this point, because like you could point to other teams with worse records right like yes. the houston texans the houston texans like they have one win like on the season as of right now and there are other teams with just five wins right like the browns have five wins the steelers have five wins oh shoot the colts and jaguars they've got they got four wins yes but each one of those teams i mean maybe outside of the broncos right it might be embarrassing yes true, true to be a true. denver fan i mean we can we can discuss that but i mean since they're in the same division i mean that's just neither here nor there but like for each of the other teams they came into this season knowing that they were going to have a rough go of it, right? Mm-hmm. Browns came in yep. what with the with the nasty man like on suspension until just a couple of weeks ago. They Correct. knew they were going to have a rough season. Steelers, they drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. They knew they're going to have a rough season. Jaguars, they're turning their season around. They're turning their entire franchise around, right? Mm-hmm. With getting an adult in the room with Doug Peterson. Texans, they started with Davis Mills. I mean, all these other teams, like they knew they were going to have a rough go of it. Raiders, what they they trade for. Devonte Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. We come into the season what with Josh Jacobs playing well into the Hall of Fame game, and everybody's thinking like, "Oh!" And the, after they declined his fifth year option, and then he's running roughshod over the entire league to the point where he's essentially in, like the RB, like fantasy MVP at this yep. point. Oh yeah. But yet, over like throughout all of that, you've got a team that is lost to. I mean, last night was just an absolute horrific way to like essentially end their playoff hopes like as of right now they had a they had like a a, 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 maybe like a 30 to 40 percent shot to make the playoffs 
mm-hmm. with yep. with everything that's going on. And then after like last night, there's no chance. But this is also the same team that lost to the fighting Jeff Saturdays in oh. in like in his in his debut. Yep. As interim head coach for the Colts. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. There's just no other franchise that I could think of at this point. Maybe outside of the Denver Broncos, which I mean, yeah, you, we can we can go into that if you want, but it's just there I, I would just I would just be I would just be embarrassed to wear yeah. the black and silver right now. Yeah. Uh so so the only reason why I wouldn't be too embarrassed about the Broncos is because they tried. They yeah. said, you know what? We're gonna go after this quarterback who is playing good football in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're we're gonna give up the the you know the future to try to win now because they were a they are or potentially a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. So they right. try. You know, if you try and you fail, it's better than not trying at all. Sure. And that's what I feel like the Raiders might have done. Sure, mm-hmm. they got Devontae Adams, but are they really doing enough to solidify their chances of winning a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. No. And but the problem is, is they still had Super Bowl aspirations. You looked at the, uh, you looked at realistically every one of those teams in those divisions, and you said, you know what? Maybe it's realistic that all four of those teams going into the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. one's a division and the rest take the wild card. Sure. And it's looking pretty bad now because, I mean, you have, what, three teams now under 500? I believe the Chargers were and now the Raiders and the Broncos. I mean, I think I saw a statistic that said that if the Broncos scored, I think, what is 18 points a game? Yes. They I would be that. what, like 10, they'd be 10, like 10 and two. <laughs> yeah. that, that, I mean, yeah, I'm granted that is embarrassing. Yeah, uh, but that, I'd that still, is embarrassing. I'd still be embarrassed to be a Raiders fan just a little yeah. bit more because, uh, I mean, the Broncos would be a little bit on the same boat because mm-hmm. they had expectations. They had good expectations and they had playoff expectations. And of course, the Raiders, they were in the playoffs last year without Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. You add Devontae Adams, okay, they should at least win another playoff game, maybe make another run for it, and then head themselves into the Super Bowl. You know, they usually pay they usually play Patrick Mahomes pretty well. So if they were to see them in the playoffs, you know, they, they could st- sneak one right by them. And uh you know, sometimes dreams become memes, and that's what the Raiders are. And that's pretty much what they – like, I 100% agree because with the Broncos, I think you're right in the fact that they made the gamble on Russ Wilson picks and all that. But also, I mean, they, they, they've they been kind of struck like with the injury bug, right? They lost Javante mm-hmm. Williams like yes. midway through the season. Uh, at least like one starter on the offense on the offensive line, if I'm remembering correctly. And then what they give up, uh, what like Chubb that they wound up like trading him away or no, yes. they want to. And so it's just like their, their defense has been playing lights out offense, like took a step back because of injuries. What Jerry Judy has been dealing with an ankle injury for the past, like at least month or so Probably after, yeah, after sustaining an ankle injury, which what at first looked like it was going to be an Achilles injury, a uh, high ankle sprain. He's still been like been playing on that. So it's just, I mean, they've been dealing with some injuries. They've been dealing with some with some problems like on 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 offense, along with having a first time head coach too. So it's just that I can I can excuse some of the things, not all the yeah. things, right? But there there are ways that you can talk yourself out of the reason why, outside of Russell Wilson just not playing to his level. But with we don't we don't have the same problems with Las Vegas, right? We haven't mm-hmm. heard about the same catastrophic injuries that would set back most franchises, right? Other than what a calf injury for Josh Jacobs over the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but otherwise, otherwise, like yeah, he's still playing. The offensive line has been 
better than expected, like yes. coming into the season. Uh, Devontae Adams has been as advertised. It's not like he's taken a step back over his like transition from Green Bay. So all in all, this should have been a team that had been like should have been able to capitalize on what we thought going into this was a weak AFC West. And it's actually turned out it was a weak AFC West other than Patrick Mahomes playing at an MVP level. I mean, like you mentioned, Chargers still sitting at 500. Broncos completely, completely tanked. So it's just this was their window in order to do something. And yet here we are with them losing to Baker Mayfield after being on the team for about a day and a half. So that's mm-hmm. that's, that's rough. That is rough, man. I can't it's believe so it. It's so bad. It's yeah. so bad. That's rough. I can't remember. You know, he when you're leaving the doo-doo browns and the the poo-poo panthers, you would assume that his his career is almost relatively done. I mean, the Rams were the only team that put a waiver claim. If he threw a stunker to you know the other day and now another one maybe the following week, his, his yeah. career might have been done. But yeah. he just got his he, he Baker Mayfield off of that game, he has earned another two contracts from another team when he eventually gets cut from the Rams. Yeah. That's Just and that's like, the wild part. That's the wild part about like quarterback development. In that, if you were a former first round pick, th- this is all you need. Mm-hmm. This is all you need to like re kickstart. Not even kickstart. It's like re kickstart like your uh, your career, because that that first round draft capital will always be currency within the league. I mean, if you look at like Sam Darnold, like you know, and the list goes on and on. Regardless of how you've played recently. The fact that you were a, a high draft pick will always carry weight in the league because the potential like GMs, coaches or whomever will always be able to talk themselves into the potential of what happened last night happening if they wind up taking a swing on you. Mm-hmm. And that's what they saw, because I think from a logical standpoint, from a reasonable standpoint, it would have made sense for if John Wolford was that injured to not play last night, they would try and see what they have in Bryce Perkins. Not to say that Bryce Perkins is better than Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying that. But with the way that the Rams season has gone, no Cooper Cup, no Allen Robinson, Matthew Stafford on IR, like possibly like career ending like type, like neck injury, like that, like spinal contusion, like all of those things. So it makes sense for them to try and figure out what they have in the bag behind their like main starters, because there's the potential that come 2023 or at the very least 2024, they're going to have to turn the page on this entire group that pushed them to the Lombardi trophy back in January or back in February. So it would make sense for them to say like, what do we got in price Perkins? What have we got? Cause they're asking the same questions about their wide receivers, right? They're asking the same question about Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, uh, John, like Hulk, I can't even pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. uh, but all of the other wide receivers that we saw catching passes yesterday, they're asking the questions about all of those players. So why not ask the same question about the quarterback? But no, because Sean McVay sat on a plane, the, like you heard, like Al Michaels talking about it last night or Kirk Herbstreit or whomever saying that, well, because they were on a plane back when. Uh, who was like Baker Mayfield was going to the senior bowl and Sean McVay knew he loved ball and all this other stuff. They wanted to take a shot on him. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. That's all fine and dandy. But still before, before that 98 yard drive that won them the game, there was no logical reason for them to not take a look at what they have outside of Bryce Perkins and John Wolford. But now they've got now after last night, it's like, Oh, okay. Now Baker Mayfield can now essentially seal the deal on some sort of contract, if not after, like if 
you know, if the Rams want to roll the dice on keeping him as a backup or whatever behind Matthew Stafford, as soon as he comes back, whatever. But at the very least, Baker Mayfield at least has another backup contract waiting in the wings on some team that will want to make the same type of bet on him moving forward, which is just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is what it is like when it comes to league and first round draft picks, but uh, I'll never get it. But I mean, that's the way it goes when you have a quarterback that can do something like that, like when you need it the most. Exactly. So um, real fast, I kind of want to backpedal a little bit. You talked about Jerry Judy and mm-hmm. I'm, I, it might be a little bit too early to put that label on him, but I was kind of thinking like, is he a bust? Overall, uh, I would say that we just don't know at this point, like what Jerry Judy's possibilities are. Cause when he came out, he was uh, his rookie season. If I'm remembering correctly, he was fine as a perimeter wide receiver uh, capable of beating uh, man press coverage at like at least a league average to above league average clip. And he was fine. But his second season with less competent quarterback play, he was also shifted into the slot like last season and asking him to run a different set of routes, even against zone coverage, which, again, we assume to be easier. But you're just asking him to do a little bit, uh, do different things and access a different skill set that if he's not as attentive to detail, which tends to be his thing, and that was kind of his thing in college, then you're just asking for you're asking for that level of volatility which we saw inject into his play last year and so now fast forward to this season you've got all sorts of things like working against him he has played inside a little bit also been shifted back into like back outside you've got a first time uh first time play caller or like not first time play caller first time head coach and nathaniel hackett doesn't want to operate an offense you got russell wilson not playing up to his caliber of play so while i do think that jerry judy is a let's say above average wide receiver overall he's had so many chaotic things like working around him that i i tend to believe that in a better situation he would perform better it's just that he hasn't been uh, to say he hasn't been afforded the situation in order to really excel i think is probably giving him too much of a pass but i do think if he was in a better, better situation we would see at least the progression of him becoming a let's say a much better wide receiver that we expect of any other player like in the league Mm -hmm. so in 2020 he had 850 yards three touchdowns of course that's his rookie year and then like you mentioned sophomore season pretty abysmal 460 yards zero touchdowns and then of course this year we're we're kind of a little bit what 77 70 percent through i think you would say yeah Mm -hmm. about 500 yards three touchdowns it's still I mean, of course, he has missed time, is injured. Not necessarily the uh, the best stat line I would like to see out of a first round wide receiver. I mm-hmm. mean, when you when you compare it to a very stacked wide receiver class, uh, of course, it leaves a lot to be desired. Of course, you know, there's a uh, uh, Henry Ruggs performing my favorite hobby of all time, drinking and driving. Uh, you know, he's not in the league anymore. Jerry Judy, he was next off the board. CD Lamb's coming his own, looks like a pretty good wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Rieger, again, Bust. elite wide receiver one. Uh, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, you know, he's tailing off of a bust. Uh, you know, I don't know how he has a job. Uh, obviously, right. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, Jalen Rieger is definitely looking like a bust. Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, of course, I think he's inching top three wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, you have Brandon Ayuk. He's 
looking like a solid player. Maybe, maybe not first round talent, but uh, pretty close to it, especially pretty, for a Juco transfer, if I'm remembering right, for Ayuk. Yes. And then uh, let's see, that'd be enough for the first round. But once you go into the second round, you have T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, and then uh, Chase Claypool. How do you feel about him? Just not utilize the way that I would expect him to, but then also put like almost in the same vein as Jerry Judy, where it's like he was put in a situation where, yeah, when he was drafted, we could kind of see that if Ben Roethlisberger was capable of having a like, you know, greater than noodle arm, he might have been like better utilized because everyone's like the, the comparisons between, let's say, like uh like chase claypool and any of the downfield wide receivers that the Steelers have had historically like just pick whatever name and everybody wanted to make that comparison and that's fine but if your quarterback that doesn't have the arm strength in order to get the ball down the field then there's no way for you to use him in the way that he needs to be used so i do think over the next couple of seasons if he's going to stick with chicago Justin Fields continues to grow as a passer, as we've seen over the course of the 2022 season, then we'll start to see Claypool in the way that he was supposed to be used because there was no way that Claypool was going to be able to access the ceiling that we expected of him if Ben Roethlisberger couldn't manage to pass further than 10 yards down the field. I mean, there's there's a reason why Deontay Johnson and uh, the tight ends and even like Najee Harris, there's a reason why. Like their volume was so like their volume was so dependent or like their fantasy production was so dependent on their volume. They weren't getting targets downfield. So if you have a downfield threat like Chase Claypool, then he's going to continue to be volatile on a week to week basis. So I do think that Chase Claypool has some value moving forward with Justin Fields. Like that was his calling card coming out of Ohio State. I mean, dangerous on the ground as a runner. We've seen that like time and time again this season. But also, I mean, he is a big game hunter, like when it comes to the passing game. Like he will, like we've seen him start to go through his progressions in the shorter intermediate areas of the field. Cole Komet, like getting a bit more involved, like as a tight end. Byron Pringle, like also like coming off, like, you know, for a couple of big games, like here and there. But I mean, at Ohio State, Justin Fields, like he was slinging that thing, like down the field. And so if they continue to build around Justin Fields, grab a little bit more on the offensive line, maybe like add a bit more uh, like in the uh, like short and intermediate areas of the field. Cause like Byron Pringle, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, I mean, those are the guys like you want to be affording like multiple snaps like per game. So I think Chase Claypool could excel in that situation. It's just like the whole entire offense needs to like the floor of the offense needs to be lifted for us to really see a ceiling out of Chase Claypool. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I do think they need another wide receiver. I would like to see the Bears draft maybe about three offensive linemen. Yes. Next year's draft. At least three. I'm 100% with you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe four. Maybe seven. Maybe <laughs> All of them. Just replace the whole thing. Just draft offensive linemen. One of them is going to be good, right? At yes. least, at least yeah. one of them. And trade and, for one or two backups, too, on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Just give up your whole team for offensive linemen. You know, they might not have anybody else, but they got a good offensive line. Yeah. That's all that matters. And then, of course, uh, there's going to be he who must not be named. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Who is this? That would be Lavis Cushenault. Heard of him. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about him. Yeah. No, 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 he's, yeah. no, he's banished to the shadow realm for me. Yes, like, I don't yes, even want to hear about that's, that. Man. That's being generous. That's why he's he who must, he who must not be named. I, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. At least yeah, I'm glad we are on the same page on that one. Uh, so, I mean, it's interesting with now, now with wide receivers, I expect immediate results out of them. Now. 
Not not mm-hmm. because I expect that personally, but because the precedent has been set that way. You have Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, Ayuk, all those wide receivers, Jamar, the, Jamar Chase. Uh, they're all becoming day one elite wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You have, so now it's almost at the point where you either, either have it or you don't. And I'm starting to become selfish and put in that expectations on quarterbacks. You either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And that might be unfair. But the problem is, is other quarterbacks have done it. Mm-hmm. So why can't you? <laughs> Maybe that's selfish. A little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had this interesting debate with somebody at work. And I said that if you don't have a top five quarterback, you should just keep trying until you get a one. Oh, I'm. Oh, that's the, the. Oh, let's 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 have discourse on that. I love that discussion. Okay, there we go. All right, I I, I saw your ears perk up a little bit, even though you're wearing a, a beanie. It doesn't matter. I saw it perk up. So, yeah. uh, that I was. Just, he said, "No, you are fully capable of winning a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo." And I said, "No, no, 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 you're not. No, you, you, you are can, not. You'll you'll win regular regular season games. Yes. You might even win a playoff game. You're yes. not winning a Super Bowl with a." Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I love Jimmy Garoppolo, he's my favorite, handsome, total pimp, my guy, but you're not going to see oh, that man. That man would clean up in Miami since we were talking yeah. about that earlier. Joe, Joe, Joe. He would. He, oh man, he all he has to do is just walk out and he, I might be following him. Shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Follow him to pick up what you know, pick up his leftovers. Yeah, oh, hey, you know, they call it a trickle down bang. There we go. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he's not winning a Super Bowl. He can't even win a primetime game. You want him to win a Super Bowl? It's not going to happen. Who else is mid-tier? I mean, at this point, I mean, insert any quarterback that's not – I mean, shoot, I would probably – I would still put Justin Herbert, like, in that tier. But if you want to walk down the line – I mean, since we were just talking about it earlier, I mean, if you don't have – I mean, I would say Tua is probably the cutoff. Uh, in terms of like quarterbacks in the league where if you don't have like one of these guys, then yes, your team needs to be investing in quarterback annually, not mm-hmm. like just like one time. And we drafted a uh, like a top 10 quarterback and we're done. Like, no, 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 no. Like it's maybe two, three years max. And then y'all need to be looking at other options because at this point, it is such a quarterback-driven league, and it, like we've been saying, it's a passing league for the NFL for the last like let's say five to seven years or so. But it's now become such a quarterback-driven league that if you don't have one of those guys, like if you don't have like Mahomes is a one-off, like he is a one-of-one player. Like there's nobody like him. Bills Mafia, come at me if you want to, but Josh Allen is like he is in his own tier by himself. But even Josh Allen. Uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungo Vailoa. Uh, if you want to toss like Jalen Hurts, uh, I mean, th- that's that's it. That's the list. I mean, to be quite honest, if I didn't name your quarterback, your team should probably be looking for a quarterback right now. Kenny Pickett, probably not. Ryan Tannehill, no. Matt Ryan, no. Trevor Lawrence, book isn't written on him yet. But it's just there's Mac Jones, no. I mean, Zach Wilson, we already know what the Jets think about him. So it's just outside of the outside of like the seven or eight quarterbacks that I mentioned, who else do you feel comfortable with? Who else do you feel confident in in your team winning the Super Bowl? And that's all that this is about. I mean, this conversation and like I think like you made the, the exact right point about the fact that, yeah, some of these guys 
they might win like a comeback, uh, a comeback regular season game, a la Baker Mayfield just last night. They might make a, you know, primetime game like look cool, like when it was uh, what Kirk Cousins on Thanksgiving night. I mean, those things might happen, but when push comes to shove, and it is January football, and we're talking about good quarterbacks or what we or we are assuming to be good quarterbacks going up against good defenses. Kirk Cousins ain't winning you that game. We just watched him struggle against the Jets not just like a couple of weeks ago. Kirk Cousins ain't winning you that game. Mac Jones is not winning you that game. Uh, even like if like Derek Carr, since we were talking about the Raiders earlier, Derek Carr ain't winning you that game. You need one of these passers that's able to diagnose diagnose defenses pre-snap, be able to read whether or not that he's hot, like once the once the snap is made, being able to actually access his hot route or look at any of his playmakers down the field. I mean, that is one of 10 guys, and probably the list is less than that. But if you don't have one of those guys at this point, I don't want to hear nothing about Kirk Cousins can win you a Super Bowl. He could barely beat the Jets just a couple of weeks, like just this past weekend or like the weekend beforehand. So no, I don't. Uh, there, there's there's no argument to be made at this point that one of the best passers in the league can get you to the Lombardi Trophy at the end of a Super Bowl at the end of a at the end of a season at this point because there's just, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes, I mean, could he almost did it when he was missing 60% of his offensive line and he was throwing dimes to like Demarcus Robinson in the end zone. If your if your quarterback can't do that. I don't want to hear it. There, there is no argument to me that could probably sell me on a Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr like type Super Bowl. Ain't no way. Mm-hmm. And the the problem is is that teams are trying to go for. It. I mean, Zach Wilson was potentially going to be you know one of those gunslinging quarterbacks rolling out of the pocket, throwing no look passes. I mean, mm-hmm. while while I think he looks dope in a bandana and, 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 and his gritty clean. Yeah, yeah, that way we have to, I, I, I will admit, I will admit that he's he's learned. Justin Jefferson's taught him a thing or two about doing uh-huh. gritty. So, so, you know, he he probably ain't it. I think he's a cool person. I I like the personality that he portrays, but he doesn't look like he's going to be that quarterback. Jets probably should try to find another one. Uh, mm-hmm. The 49ers, out of the jury's still out of Trey Lance, but I mean, he's three years in at this point. Figure the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> And so on and so forth when it comes to quarterbacks, where if you don't have a top five quarterback, you're just not winning a Super Bowl. Now, I know this is kind of like a fantasy football podcast. So at the end of the day, you know, how does this affect my fantasy points? But on a realistic NFL level. And then, of course, you know, if they have an elite quarterback that the wide receivers on that team become elevated, running back become elevated, sure. so on and so forth and all that good stuff. But if you do not have a good quarterback, then it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. You know, mm-hmm. you're not winning that Super Bowl. And you, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and my personal, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think he kind of dog water. I don't know. I like to be quite honest, I guess I can't. My, my, my counter argument to that is this is a, this is a team, like not even like an offense. This is a franchise that has done nothing. Like nothing in order to elevate his play. The, the offense has been predicated around Lamar go out and do cool shit. Like that has essentially been their offense since he came in. Because if you look at when he was drafted, like the same year that he was drafted, who did they draft? I mean, they went out and they drafted like Hayden Hurst and, you know, 
Mark Andrews and they've added like who have they added that have really been able to say like Lamar we are trying to build around you and help you actually progress as a passer like in this league in this passing league in this quarterback centric league that you and I both agree is the way that that's the only way that you're going not the only way but the primary way that you're going to win a Super Bowl what has Baltimore done in order to meet Lamar at what we would assume to be the reasonable middle to say that we are going to try and build around you in order to make that happen. Draft a couple offensive linemen. Okay, cool. Uh, but they drafted a running back a couple of years ago, Torres ACL, brought in a free agent running back that was like 30 years old in order to help him. Okay, cool. Uh, what, they grabbed a cast off from the Raiders and Kenyon Drake in order to help out the running game. Okay, cool. Took his buddy and the other uh, wide receiver that they drafted, Marquise Brown, shipped him off to Arizona. Okay, cool. What did they do it afterwards? Brought in the old Deshaun Jackson in order to catch passes. What they brought in Demarcus Robinson, who was the fifth or sixth option on the Kansas City Chiefs in order to play wide receiver for them. Okay, great. Rashad Bateman, who was fine as a prospect coming out of college, but wouldn't necessarily fall into the prototypical wide receiver one that you would want. Even after they did that, they brought in no help alongside Rashad Bateman in order to say that, hey, we're trying to build this passing game. They got Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, who else behind them in order to actually build this wide receiver core, a young wide receiver core to build around their young, prolific passer. This is the same passer that won the MVP award and his second season. And what has the team done afterwards in order to say that, you want MVP, we want to build around you and make you the, the 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 pillar of this franchise. Nothing. They've added to the defense. They've made the defense prolific. This is the same style of ball that they thought, I mean, that won them the Super Bowl, which is cool, but they also had a good offense around them in order to score points. So I guess my problem with the Ravens as a franchise is the fact that they brought in this, I mean, again, top three top five passer in Lamar Jackson who ran a pro style offense when he was at Louisville capable of doing whatever concepts that you want and pigeonholed him into this Greg Roman offense that has made wide receivers want to leave Des Bryant when he was a part of the Ravens for his spot in was that the 2020 season said that the offense sucks for wide receivers Marquise Brown said the same thing he was ready to leave two years ago mm-hmm Nobody yes. wants like that. No, like no core part of the passing offense in this passing league, like wants to be a part of this franchise. And that says volume. It, it ain't because of Lamar. And that speaks volumes to the way that they think they can structure this, structure this offense, like moving forward. So while I do think that there are problems, I mean, there are definitely concerns about Lamar as a passer. And I could, I could totally understand that, but this scheme and this franchise has done him zero favors in order for us to, I guess, possibly separate the conversation between Lamar as a passer and I think Lamar as like what he could potentially be in this league. Hmm. I will I will say that I do think he's not getting enough help. Uh, that being said, I do remember in a Thursday night game, I believe it was against the Saints, where he overthrew Devin DuVernay, I believe twice. Yep. Back to back plays. Mm-hmm. Both of them that. should have been walk in touchdowns. Uh, you know, if you do it once, okay, it's one thing. But when you do it twice in a row, it becomes an issue. And then it happens on a consistent basis. Now, uh, the, the later topic of this episode is going to be, you know, drafting. 
and things that we could have done better in the draft process. And I know I was going to handle Lamar Jackson a decent not because I was heavy invested in Lamar Jackson and, um, it didn't really pan out after the first three weeks. After the you know uh, after the first three weeks, he definitely regressed a lot. And uh, you know I, I kind of just sat there and thinking about what happened there that made him regress, or uh, why did that pick not work out this year? And it wasn't really injury. Yeah, he's injured now, but mm-hmm. it, it's already been decided that you know this is a down year for Lamar Jackson. And uh, it's not his running because he's still averaging about 80 yards per game. You know, Mm -hmm. that's eight fantasy points minimum that you're guaranteed to get from a running quarterback. That's great. You know, that's 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 solid day RB2 numbers. Uh, You know, uh, you know, would you rather have Lamar? I always kind of do. Would you rather have Lamar Jackson or David Montgomery? I think I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. It's basically kind of David Montgomery's floor. And, uh, um, you know, you're going to get passing yards off that. So Mm -hmm. it, it was the passing and the passing touchdowns that really kind of did it for Lamar Jackson that he's incredibly lacking of this year and uh, the lack of weapons that he has. I think that's where I narrowed it down. The fact that I, I didn't think Marquise Brown, uh, Hollywood Brown being gone would have this much of an effect to the offense, but it has um, maybe Lamar Jackson on those deep ball throws. He's missing Devin DuVernay because Marquise Brown's fast enough to, to catch those. Uh, th- that's kind of yeah. where I was kind of trying to go after. Okay. Maybe that's the, 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 the reasoning or the, the copium that I was going with on why Lamar Jackson didn't uh, succeed as well as I hoped, especially on a year where he, he kind of said, I'm a bet on myself this year. So I was all right. in, you know, he, he's betting on himself. He's got a ball out. He needs the ball out. He wants that contract. Uh, he's going to put the team on his back. Didn't necessarily do that this year. And that's something like, okay, maybe I need to double check to make sure like, even though he's a running quarterback, he's got to have weapons in the other leagues that uh, I did. Uh, planning uh, i did go into jalen hurts i decided to differentiate a little bit jalen hurts and while jalen hurts is also a russian quarterback he has the weapons which mm-hmm. is why he's having a much more successful season so he's getting those passing touchdowns he's getting those rushing touchdowns he's getting those rushing yards so that's something that i feel like i need to double check on is okay you might be a running quarterback and that must be that might be why we are drafting you specifically but you got to be able to throw the ball and get passing touchdowns. No, I agree with that. And especially now in the 2022 season, and I think we heard, I guess this is kind of like retrofitting a, a take, but there is a possibility we should have seen this coming. Yes. Uh, throughout the, let's say, three quarters to half of the 2021 season, we started to hear about the fact that defenses were using like more more zone covers, like cover two. Oh, my gosh, cover two. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes can't pass against cover two. Joe Burrow's yes. having problems with cover two, like blah, 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 blah. And I mean, teams are still I mean, even now, like in 2022, like teams are still like the pendulum has swung from like Tampa two, like like those type coverages or whatever, like to now we're seeing like more like just zone based, like, you know, cover two like type defenses. And it's frustrated a lot of uh, a lot of offenses to the point where we're not seeing the deep ball as prevalent in most passing games that we haven't seen like a ton of those deep balls from like, you know, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. Uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, even though like he doesn't have Tyree kill, but that same level of explosives like from passing offenses, we're not seeing it here. Actually, rushing games have now become to be more efficient like this season than passing games in some regards. And for Lamar Jackson, if one, you take away his downfield threat, like in Marquise Brown, you remove that. So you're already you're already removing the player 
that was creating the most explosives like for your team. But then also you layer on top of that the fact that defensives have now shifted the fact that, well, yeah, we're just going to limit your explosive plays like by we're just going to play this cover two, like cover two shells and limit most of uh, your explosive plays. And we're like, you're going to have to beat us underneath. And for Lamar Jackson, like his biggest bugaboo like for the past couple of seasons has been once you get him into just true drop back passing situations. So like third and seven, third and eight, like third and six, so, you know, whatever the case may be. Like he goes from one of the more efficient passers, like in the league, where he is, I mean, top twelve in EPA per play, like as a as a passer. But once he gets into those third and longs, he didn't have the he didn't have the personnel. Like there's no Marquise Brown, and teams can watch what Mark what Mark Andrews is doing as he releases from the line on every single play. And there's only so many times that Mark Andrews is going to beat you over the head, like with any of the routes that he runs. He's not Travis Kelsey. Like he's good enough mm-hmm. to beat most defenses, but definitely a Kelsey. So it's just if you don't have the horses in order to beat like pure like man press coverage or whatever, then that's where the Ravens often struggles. And that's where Lamar struggles. And I can understand like where all the confluence of all those things, like moving on from the receiver that had the most rapport, like with your star quarterback, defense is shifting into cover two shells. And then also the fact that once you get to. Uh, those third long situations, you really don't have the passing options or you don't even have the rapport with your passing options in order to convert on those third and long type series, then yeah, this is the, this is the world that you're going to wind up having to live in. Cause think about it last year, Rashad Bateman came into the season, what in week six, week seven, after the abdominal injury that put him on IR to start the year. Yes. And then what, maybe like two or three weeks later, Lamar was having his own injury problems. I mean, they only played like in two, three games together last year tops. So he only had two three-ish games with Bateman as a rookie, all the offseason or whatever in order to try and like figure out their, you know, figure out their like uh like how they're gonna play together. And then now Bateman's gone and then also Lamar's out. So it's just they haven't had the time in order to really connect. And so like all of those things like kind of layered on top of each other gets us to the point where people are asking themselves, like, oh, is Lamar a good passer? Like can he, you know, can he do all these things? Like he can do all these things. It's just that who are the weapons around him in order to actually access those things? Whereas with Jalen Hurts, if you've got AJ Brown, if you've got Devonta Smith, if you've got Dallas Goddard, I mean, not anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you've got all these options, then yeah, you can make mistakes or, or at the very least, the mistakes that you made are covered up by the fact that you've got the weapons in order to actually boost your production behind the fact that you're also a good rushing quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly well said. So uh, my takeaway from this is, okay, you, you want a rushing quarterback. And I think ideally uh, the meta in, in fantasy football now is, is I think you have a significant advantage if you have a running quarterback. Sure. I think, I think you should be trying to target yourself a rushing quarterback rather than a, uh, you know, Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers type drop back passers, Trevor Lawrence, so on and so forth. Even Trevor Lawrence has some mobility to him. You know, yeah. that's not necessarily why you're drafting him. If it's, if, if he happens to get it, he happens to get it. You know, right. with, with rushing quarterbacks, it's kind of expected at this point. But, of course, making sure rushing quarterbacks, you're not draft, you are drafting them for the rushing ability, but they got to have the weapons in order for them to throw some dots, throw some touchdowns. Because ultimately, you know, whether it's a rushing co- touchdown, which is which is better than a passing touchdown in mm-hmm. most leagues, you know, touchdowns are still touchdowns and you're going to need those points. So th- that's something like, I, I think I made the mistake of just blindly taking Lamar Jackson without really thinking about it too much. Just going, Oh, rushing quarterback. Doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter if he doesn't throw the ball even better. He'll just run it more, but you know, you, you can only run it so much until it's a three and out. 
Yeah. And I think with assuming that Rashad Bateman was going to come back healthy and what, well, I mean, you're making, you're making two bets in that one Mark Andrews was going to continue his level of efficiency that he was like at the back end of the 2021 season, which for the mm-hmm. most part he has, I mean, some regression, but still, I mean, the tight end two on the season, if I remember correctly, despite the fact that he missed a game and he's been banged up for the past like three or four. Yes. And then Rashad Bateman making his second year leap after really only playing a handful of games in his rookie season. I mean, so those are the two bets that you were making that, you know, Lamar was capable of weathering that storm of having a tight end one that might regress. And then also a sophomore receiver who only played like half the games in his rookie year also making a step forward, which again, hindsight being 2020, we can look back on this and say that, oh yeah, that was kind of a fragile bet to make in the first place, but it's Lamar. Yes. I mean, it's the guy, again, it's the same guy that was the MVP, you know, right after, almost right after he took the job from Joe Flacco. So it's just mm-hmm. like, it made sense to make that bet. But in the same time, this is the same offense is the same franchise that has essentially limited the personnel around him in order to say that, hey, we're not going to build around you. We're going to make these changes to the defense. We're going to draft tight ends, like blocking tight ends. We're going to get a running back in the first round that his knees are messed up now. And like, you know, we're going to do all these other things instead of building around your passing acumen so that now teams can just say, well, we're just going to man up on third down and you can't do anything, which is mm-hmm. where the Ravens find themselves at this point now, like 13 weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I hand the floor off to you on one of your potential uh, changes or something yeah, you want to give props to yourself on. It doesn't necessarily have to be criticism. Criticism could be in the positive light. Uh, as I almost lose my train of thought, uh, it's also bad that I made those type of bets on a player that has an average draft position of, you know, late third to or early fourth round. You know, mm-hmm. that, that is an expensive draft pick to make. And, you know, if I wanted to, you know, that could have been a, for example, David Montgomery. That could have been a Debo Samuel, but he probably would be drafted by now. Like a, like a Mike Evans, but Mike Evans is also struggling a little bit, you know, and so on and so forth. There are different power players in that position that I could have taken instead of Lamar Jackson, instead of making those, which you would call risky bets at the time. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like another similar situation that would kind of fall into this. Uh, I would say that one of the bets that I didn't make, uh, and this was because not because I knew this was the way things were going to turn out, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand the Allen Robinson hype. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie to you. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Allen Robinson, I didn't think like could have been good in this Rams offense. Like had yeah. Matthew Stafford been healthy, like yada, yada, yada. But even when he was in Chicago, like his final season in Chicago, there was not enough there for me to say that, yeah, if he just moves to a different situation, then we'll see the Allen Robinson from 2020 or whatever. And Matt Harmon, I mean, I've like he even pointed out like a number of times, like, okay, this could be good, but 2021, it's like the yards per separation wasn't there. The, the, the quickness wasn't there anymore. The long speed wasn't there anymore. Like there were, there were things that were there that was like, Okay, he's playing for the team that just won the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup, Triple Crown winner, like first wide receiver, Triple Crown winner since like 2021, like not 2021, 2001, 2002, or whenever. Like this is this is good. He can replace like he can replace OBJ on those backside digs that they like to use like so often in the Sean mm-hmm. McVay offense. I mean, th- this could be great for him. But again, there was enough there that it was like, 
this could also be really bad. I mean, this could also be the fact that Allen Robinson could essentially be cooked. And we've seen that bear out. Like, even when Cooper Cup went down, like, how long has it been since Cooper Cup's been on IR? Like, about a month? About a month. And Allen Robinson, even before he went down, not this past week, but the week beforehand, and now he's on IR, we didn't see any real, like, sizable difference. I mean, the volume was there, sure. Because if I had to choose, I don't care if you were Matthew Stafford, John Wolford, or Bryce Perkins, or Baker Mayfield now, if you had to pass to Allen Robinson or Tutu Atwell, you'd probably choose Allen Robinson. Or Van Jefferson, you'd probably choose Allen Robinson. But there's nothing on field that would suggest, like from, from tape, from stats, or whatever, that Allen Robinson is still the same guy that Sean McVay thought he was going to be. Like they must have been watching like highlights from 2019 or something like that, and like, yep, like we want this dude, and that guy is just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Rams fell to uh, what what happened with a lot of teams is that there are no good wide receivers out there that was in free agency or potentially tradable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know that right now during the trade deadline there was a lot of reports, maybe like for example, Jerry Judy was available for trade, which I don't think there was too much merit to that. I think think that probably would have been an expensive draft pick the one that they wouldn't have wanted to give up not yeah. that they even had the the draft pick capital to right. trade for him <laughs> yeah so uh, the, the, they didn't have much to work with you could draft somebody but they drafted van jefferson not too long ago in the second round so it's mm-hmm. not like they didn't invest in wide receivers they did and they had of course they had ben um i'm not gonna even bother trying to say his last name it was like it's like 13 13 letters zero vowels um, number 18. That's what that's what he is on the Rams. For the uh, uh you're talking about Skarnik? Squad squad. Sk- I'm not Skaronic? gonna try. Yeah, I'm I not gonna try. Something yeah. like that. I'm not trying. Uh, it's not like they haven't invested in wide receivers, they have, and none of them panned out, or it doesn't feel like any of them are panning out. So they went out and tried to grab one. And Sean McVay always was able to support at least two wide receivers in his offense. And of course, I, I try I try to always bring up to the point where you know he had Cooper Cup, Cooks. Brandon Cooks, and then Robert mm-hmm. Woods. He had three wide receiver ones on that offense with Todd Gurley at the time. Yeah. And he was, his offense was able to support it. So, I mean, the logic is, is that, yes, he can support Allen Robinson, but um, the wide receiver still has to be good. And it doesn't seem like uh, Allen Robinson was good. And I kind of – while I, I supported people drafting Allen Robinson, I never wanted to pay the fifth-round ADP for him. Yeah. And by the time he would come around to me in a comfortable spot, he would always be taken. Yeah. That was essentially where I was at too. Mm-hmm. It's that I, I can, I can talk myself into the bull case, like for drafting Allen Robinson, like the volume should be there, especially the Robert Woods, like being out of town. And there were, there were so many ways for you to talk yourself into the volume being there, the Rams being top five, top six in neutral passing rate on early downs. I mean, all of it should be there. Matthew Stafford like showed that he could at least be, somewhat problematic as a passer because we saw the stretches of him throwing multiple interceptions but he would at least still be aggressive as a passer yes so that didn't matter like for us like from an Allen robinson standpoint like we don't care like if matthew stafford's throwing one interception or five in a game doesn't matter as long as the volume's still there and they're not changing their play calling tendencies because of matthew stafford's like mess ups and like none of that was happening so as long as the volume was there as long as the accuracy was there on the passes that he was getting and this was still going to be a productive offense to the point where they were going to be getting into the red zone so the touchdowns were going to be there i mean just you could just like stack up the reasons why yeah. 
this offense was going to be much better than whatever Allen Robinson was getting in Chicago. So it, it made sense, but again, there sense. was just there was just enough working against him that it was just like, I don't see that same dude. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way we could have predicted Cooper Cup getting injured, Matthew Stafford possibly like ending his career, like this complete this offense completely imploding like it has. Mm -hmm. Like that, I'm not saying that I saw this coming, but there was enough out of Allen Robinson's tape in like in his last season in Chicago to say that this could be bad. Like yes. this was always in the range of outcomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to agree there. There was enough, but there was also enough to justify it, which is why yeah. I, mm -hmm. I'm not blaming anybody for drafting Allen Robinson. I don't think there's any fault on it. Something you could do better. Um, make sure when you draft a wide receiver from Matthew Stafford's team is make sure his skin color is light. <laughs> Hmm. maybe that maybe that gets cut out maybe that gets cut out from that maybe that, yeah so another one that you know you, you brought up a really good example and this one's this one's a little bit of a deeper in this strategy point mm -hmm. of drafting in fantasy football uh okay so i've been trying to figure out okay when do i draft heavy wide receivers when do I go heavy RBs? Obviously, it's easy to say, oh, you know, if it's half point PPR, full point PPR, just go into the wide receiver category because it's easier to get receptions. You know, it's easier to get a one yard, one catch for five yards, get 1.5 or a rush for five yards, which is 0.5. Obviously, you know, the one point differential makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes I feel like that strategy wasn't as effective as I would like it to be. So I was, I, I'm trying to deep dive into it and try to figure out what is the most effective strategy and how to utilize it to the best of your ability. And I think the best method that I've been trying to come up with and think of is that if you're in a wide three wide receiver league with a flex, mm -hmm. you should draft heavy wide receivers. If you are mm -hmm. in a two wide receiver league, you should draft heavy RBs because if you have a lot of good wide receivers, then of course you're, you're going to sit there wondering who to start every week, who to start every week. And then of course, you know, just the way fantasy football works, the one wide receiver you don't pick to start is going to be the one that goes off. <laughs> and there aren't enough wide receiver ones. I always thought I, I try, I tried to always tell myself, you know what? You don't have to draft wide receivers because there's always going to be good ones deep in the drafting rounds and in waiver wires, but I'm trying to, I'm starting to realize that it's probably not there. It's not really that true. You know, there's a difference between going after going against Justin Jefferson. And then in the, in the second round or third round CD lamb. And then, you know, in the third round, David Montgomery for running back, or maybe even right now, Josh Jacobs, if they happen to draft Josh Jacobs, you know, mm -hmm. if you're going against that trio or any type of combination in between of there, whatever, whether it's, uh, Jamar Chase and then Stefan Diggs or Jamar Chase and then Travis Kelsey and then you know maybe a running back to complement them whether that's Zeke right now who's averaging 16 points per game in half point PPR uh, yeah. you you probably are doing very well in your fantasy league in your fantasy week especially because wide receivers are very difficult to draft in my personal opinion because I think there's a huge drop off there is a huge drop off between running backs Mm -hmm. But I also feel like there is enough of a drop off between wide receivers to the point where if you are playing full point PPR, you are at a disadvantage by mm -hmm. having uh, by not having somebody like Tyreek Hill, by not having somebody like Cooper Cup or uh, Justin Jefferson. Or, I mean, of course, if you're not in that draft position to draft them, there's nothing you can do about that. But I think if you have three wide receiver leagues, 
or three wide receivers in your league, then you should look towards wide receivers because if you have a significant drop off between, uh, you know, if you, if you drafted say Mike Evans in the third round, you yeah. already are lacking in the wide receiver position because you drafted somebody in the third round that is not producing to his capabilities. And then say you did that. And then you drafted Allen Robinson in the fifth, you're screwed at wide receivers. It doesn't matter. You could have Christian McCaffrey and, you know, like Aaron Jones for your running backs. You're not winning your weeks. Yeah. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier about the shift of defensive coverages to, I mean, it was like, you know, Tampa two, then we saw like more like, uh, like man or single high coverages. And then now Mm -hmm. the pendulum's kind of shifted back to, uh, to cover two defenses. Yes. That's the effect has been that we've seen teams start to spread their offenses out a bit more. And I'm not like saying spread out in terms of like the, the classical terminology for like a spread offense. Like we do see, some teams do that, like Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're they like a spread and shred offense, like for real, for real. But also in the fact that we're seeing now more teams involving more wide receivers on a week-to-week basis. I mean, look at, I mean, Buffalo Bills are a decent example, whether it's, I mean, Stefan Diggs is still like the one, like he is him, like for yes. the Buffalo Bills. But any given week, it could be Gabe Davis. It could be Isaiah McKenzie, like we saw on Thanksgiving. It could be Dawson Knox for a couple of targets. And now we've been seeing more of James Cook as a pass catcher as well. So as cover two defenses or just like zone coverage defenses have now become a larger part of defense, like defensive schemes or schematics, teams have now had to figure out more ways in order to get their entire pass catching group involved. I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, like, you know, my Bengals, I mean, it is Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but you still see Tyler Boyd pop up for big games like Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan. Uh, I mean, there are other options now have become more prevalent within passing offense, and that's and that's the same for every single team. So the I would say the effect of a wide receiver one isn't as prominent as it used to be in years past, where it was AJ Green, like right off the rip, like he would have like 14, 1500 yards, but then nobody else in the offense, like you could really use, like from a pass catching standpoint, like you wouldn't see really like the, like even like DeAndre Hopkins, like prime DeAndre Hopkins getting like 30 plus percent of the targets. And it Mm -hmm. was essentially him. And that was it. Like you weren't drafting anybody else, like on the Texan squad. But now, like, and the the same thing now becomes true, or or that effect is filtered down into fantasy. Whereas to your point, if you are drafting like three wide receivers, you definitely want like that wide receiver one because that wide receiver one isn't hitting wide receiver one numbers like they used to in years past. So you're going to need other wide receiver ones or at least wide receiver one Bs. So if you are trying to get like, let's say you go from Mike Evans and maybe grab like a Chris Godwin later, or if you weren't grabbing uh, like any of those guys, like in the early to middle rounds, like Tyler Lockett, who was going a bit later, but guys that would typically profile as a team's like one B or second option. I mean, they're still getting enough volume on a week to week basis, but if you were to wait on drafting those positions, or if you were to wait on filling out that wide receiver group in a three wide receiver starting league, then yeah, you're probably, you probably were stuck drafting I mean, shoot, probably let's say look at some of the guys that were going like even later than that. Chase Claypool, like we were talking earlier, Alan Lazard that was going even later than that. You probably some folks probably waited to draft their wide receiver. Theory. They were like that George Pickens, dude, he's probably about to go off. Chris Olave, Rondell Moore, 
I mean, those were probably folks like wide receiver threes because they thought they could wind up getting enough wide receiver three production out of out of that player in order to move them along on a week to week basis. But nah, it's not going to work like that. Like if you do have like those leagues that require three wide receivers on a weekly basis, yeah, you absolutely need to be hammering wide receiver early and often because the market for I mean the the demand for that position is so high that if you miss on any one of your wide receivers, whether it be for injury or they just wind up flaming out, who do you think is going to be on the waiver wire for you? I mean, who do you think is going to be there in order for you to pick up? Well, Robbie Anderson, Nico Collins, uh, Michael Gallup, who was hurt like throughout most of the season, DJ Chark. I mean, those are your options if you don't wind up hitting on the position that requires the, that requires the most draft capital spent at it, which in this case, I mean, if it's a three wide receiver league, you need three wide receivers at least. I mean, at least forget, I mean, your flex position so that you might need four wide receivers in, in a week. So if you fail on one of those, then you are now completely, I mean, you are ass out. I mean, you're looking at Alec Pierce, Sammy Watkins, I mean, insert a Van Jefferson, like insert like player that would be likely on the waiver wire here. So yes, I'm hundred percent with you. Like depending on your league and the way that it's set up, you would have to hit on those wide receivers early. And if it's two wide receivers, then yeah, the calculus changes a little bit because the pool is going to be a little bit larger. Less of them are going to be drafted. So you might be capable of picking up, let's say, a Christian Watson off the waiver wire once he starts to blow up because he's likely to be out there on the waiver wire. But if it's a three wide receiver league, shoot, probably somebody drafted him and probably been like holding him on their bench for the entirety of the uh, entirety of the season. Yeah, like in one league, I had him on my bench the whole year. Why? Because it was a three wide receiver league plus a flex (laughs) point PPR. And I didn't have a reason to drop him. So people that owned Chris Olave, he might have taken a couple of weeks in order for for him to really pop off. But now, congratulations. He's a consistent starter on your offense or in your fantasy lineup, I should say, no mm-hmm. matter necessarily where, you know, the matchup and all that. So he, he becomes a matchup proof sit and forget type of player right now. Christian Watson, he has earned the set and forget type of player. Now, is he going to sure. have this type of production? It, it, it'll be a little bit difficult to sustain it, but it, you know, he has a solidified role in that offense that he's going to put up fantasy points to the point where you're not going to get a donut or a disappointment. Having sure. to go into your waiver wire and then pick up somebody like Nico Collins, like you mentioned, congratulations. You have a 50-50 shot of dropping a donut. Maybe he gets three catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Exactly. And then maybe he hits his projection, and you, that is not the reason why you won your week, but he definitely could be the reason why you lost your week, which is yes. why... Which is why I think drafting wide receivers, especially in a three wide receiver league, plus a flex becomes incredibly more important because if you're in a two wide receiver league, you can skip out maybe the first two rounds on drafting a wide receiver. You can, you know, you can draft if you're in the mid round picks, you can go for a, a, a Austin Eckler will probably be taken at this time. So maybe like Joe Mixon or yeah. Joe Mixon. And then the second round after that, you maybe can grab the Aaron Jones. He might be taken at that point, maybe a Leonard Fournette. Um, Mm-hmm. So on, we'll, we'll go Leonard Fournette just for the sake of conversation, and then, and then the third round, maybe you took DK Metcalf. Okay, sure. you're looking pretty solid. You know, of course, this is before the draft, so you know, obviously, we know a little bit more now that Leonard Fournette is kind of struggling a little bit, has a little injury concern. Uh, but you know, you you're looking at that lineup, going, okay, that's a pretty solid lineup so far. I can go with that. And in the fourth round, maybe you can you have the flexibility to pick whatever you want because you already got your wide receiver one and you filled out your wide, you filled out RB one and RB two. So you mm-hmm. can either fill up the flex spot or you can go for a wide receiver spot. 
Sure. Depending on what people did in the draft and what fell, what got taken, what got reached on. And you can maybe decide, hey, Lamar Jackson is available or uh, Jalen Hurts is available or Josh Allen is still available, so on and so forth. And you can decide maybe I'll grab a running back and put him in my quarterback position, basically, essentially. <laughs> and then, of course, you're looking at a pretty scary team at that point. And then all of a sudden, all you got to do is fill up a wide receiver two role. And then maybe Brandon Ayuk is there. You go for him in the later rounds. And then all you need is a tight end. And, and of course, tight end is a little bit of a, a different story where if you you either have an elite one or you don't necessarily have one. Yeah. You know, a side note, in, in one league, Darren Waller dropped to me in the sixth round. I thought I, I thought I was a genius, best <laughs> fantasy player ever. I took, yeah. I, I took Darren Waller in the sixth round. Guess who's the idiot now? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You process know, over results. Yeah. Process yeah. over results. You know, it, 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 that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my dream turned into a meme. But it, it, it's what happens in fantasy. Sometimes it just becomes luck-based. And it just becomes a, you know, don't get injured. And uh, mm -hmm. that was one of those moments where my player just got injured. But anyway, so on and so on. That, that's a different story for a different time. But that's the type of draft process you kind of want to think of depending on your league format and how many roster spots you have. And then, of course, the amount you need starting at a one given time. And uh, I think differentiating the difference between two wide receiver starting and three wide receiver startings should completely affect your draft strategy. Absolutely. I mean, that would... Just even at a, I mean, forget the names, right? I mean, because we could talk about the fact that, I mean, you drafted Darren Waller and he flamed out, or most folks would say like, oh, well, you know, I drafted Mike Evans, you know, as my first wide receiver. And, you know, I thought I was going to hammer wide receiver too. And like, look at my team yeah. now. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. probably has like some sort of sob story to say that using that strategy didn't work out for him. But at the same time, would you have made the same decision if you were to roll back into August? I mean, of course, at this point in the season, some folks might be too bitter to admit the fact that they probably mm -hmm. would have made the same decision if they go back. But still, it's the same process that would probably net you better results 99 times out of 100 because just the simple math that goes into how many players from that position are going to get drafted. And so if they're only if we know there's only, let's say, I'm just throwing out a random number for the sake of conversation. Let's say there are only 50 good wide receivers in the entire league. That's it. Okay. And there are 12 people in your league and each of you got to start three. I mean, do the numbers. I mean, do the math. I mean, that's three. I mean, three per team. That's 36 out of 50 right there. So you're left with 14 possible options left on the waiver wire. And we know there probably ain't 50 really, like really good wide receivers mm -hmm. out there right now. So you already know the pool is limited over the fact that there's only so many good wide receivers out there. So if you've got to start three every single week, of course it would make some sense in order for you to take some swings on the position early and often for sure. Yeah. If you ever look at the rankings and whether that's the expert consensus rankings or just any type of rankings in general, when it comes to the wide receivers position, once you start hitting the, the, the 40 mark, mm -hmm. It doesn't look very good anymore. You start oh, thinking, terrible. Oh. You start, <laughs> yeah, you start thinking terrible. yourself, like, oh, he's not really startable. But yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, there's three, there's 12 team league, three wide receivers starting. I mean, three times 12. Let me let me try to figure out some quick math real fast. That is about uh 36. 36. So 36 plus a flex spot. If you're in half point to full point PPR, yeah, you might be incentivized to put a wide receiver there. So some people are gonna be starting four wide receivers. That's 48. So you, might, so you got left. Yeah, so like it's it's not good in the wide receiver spot. While yeah. in the running back spot right now, somebody like Jay, uh, James Cook on Yahoo, before this week, he was only rostered in 25% of leagues. You could have picked him up 
and try to stash him a little bit and try to figure out what they're going to do in the running back spot there. You mm-hmm. could have had Rashad mm-hmm. White and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not sitting here uh, try to justify zero RBs uh, draft strategies, try to justify, um, you know, w- hoping for injuries. Well, mm-hmm. but, I mean, that it's a part of the game. It's a part of the sport sure. and it's going to happen. Uh, it, it starts adding food to the fire for why you should probably look at wide receivers a little bit earlier than running backs, um, especially depending on the format, whether you have three wide receivers. Yeah. And I think when it comes to running backs, I think now more so than ever, we're starting to understand a bit more about the archetypes of running backs that are going to be available to available to us in the early rounds where the Christian McCaffrey's the Austin Eckler's the Deandre Swift in theory, uh, we can get into that, but like the Saquon, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara. I mean, there's there's a common thread amongst all of those guys. And in half point to full point PPR, like we know their pass catching skill set is what gives them the, the the leg up. I mean, for, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, not to like throw a pun in there, but like it gives them the advantage over the other running backs. Whereas, sure, you can draft the Jonathan Taylor. But we know that Jonathan Taylor, at least even before the start of the season, we knew that Jonathan Taylor wasn't going to get the same pass catching role as would any of the other running backs getting drafted around him. Derrick Henry goes in the same range. We didn't expect Derrick Henry to get the same passing volume that he's currently seeing this season. I mean, shoot, Nick, Nick Chubb falls into the same range. So understanding the archetype of running back that you're investing in at that point versus just saying, yeah, I've got Nick Chubb. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to you know, I'm going to dust off this league because Nick Chubb's like one of the best runners in the league. Not going to argue about that, partner. I'm going to argue with you over the fact that when push comes to shove, Nick Chubb's not always going to get the same passing volume as Austin Eckler is. Austin Eckler's on pace to beat Christian McCaffrey's 2019 reception uh, reception goal or record, rather. So it's just I'm going to wind up beating you just over the fact that my guy is going to get more passing more passing volume, and that's and that's a fact. So if you understand the running backs that you're drafting on top of understanding like your league format with two wide receivers, three wide receivers or whatever, then that's where, again, your draft strategy, zero RB, robust RB, like whatever strategy, like whatever name you want to put to it. It's really just about building an optimal roster based off of the slots that you got. Yeah. You, you have to change your draft strategy depending on the rules of the league. And then of Mm -hmm. course the, the, the roster format that you have to, build your team upon and of course after that you know you pick the best team that you can and then fantasy football plays out after that you know yeah. that you you can't sit there and look at the you you can sit there and say okay you know like mike evans was a little bit of a bust this year but oh. you didn't know that leonard fournette was going to have just as many receptions as him you, <laughs> right. you can't figure that out like you know, yeah there's no way to identify that. You know, Mike Evans has been a nine season in a row, thousand yard receiver. Yeah. You know, you, you draft Mike Evans, you know, you are getting a solid wide receiver one. Maybe not going to blow the top off. Maybe not going to put up 30 points, but you know, you're going to get a projection five catches, 80 yards touchdown. And he's going to put up some nine fantasy points. You don't know. He's going to have this type of fallout with Tom Brady. 
And yeah. there, there's there's no way you would have known that going into it. So that's why exactly. you're saying like process of results. I, I not to say that I have a professional like background in it or whatever, but I used to play like quite a bit of poker in like the early 2000s and still like casually play like every now and again. And mm -hmm. for me, the easiest analogy would be like, you know, do you have do you understand like Texas Hold'em? I don't know. Like if you play like, a little bit. OK, little so, bit. yeah. So like it's like saying that if I've got pocket aces, and you got pocket kings and on the flop rolls out like, you know, brick, brick king you would turn to me and say, well, yeah, that's why you don't play pocket aces, like without understanding the context of the hand, pre-flop betting and yada, yada, yada for folks that might be listening. But if you just like run it hot, cold and just say that, well, my hand, my pocket kings are going to beat your aces because I know for a fact that, you know, IKB, I know better and I'm going to play these pocket kings. That doesn't make any sense. Just knowing what I know about basic math, the fact that aces are projected to beat pocket kings more so than, more often than not, I'm going to play these aces like every single time. Again, pre-flop action and all that, like betting aside. But it's just, it's just understanding the probability that's involved. We know that these players, are like typically speaking, without injuries involved and without Tom Brady potentially falling off a cliff, drafting Mike Evans in the third round is probably a good bet. Over, mm -hmm. I mean, especially drafting Mike Evans, you know, uh, getting him at a value after Leonard Fournette is probably a good bet. But the way that the season has rolled out, okay, fine. But it's still, if you were to look back on it and like, if you were to look back on it now, would it still be a decision that you would make now? And if you can honestly, I mean, even in your heart of hearts, like you might still be pissed off or whatever, because Mike Evans sucks. Tom Brady sucks, even though he pulls out these game winning drives out of his ass, even though like Giselle left him, blah, 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 blah. Like, but if you can still in your heart of hearts, admit the fact that you'd still probably would have made the same decision, then that that's the end of the argument. Yep. That's it. Like, you know, that's all you can say. Brandon Cooks had an ADP, I believe, either late fifth or early sixth. If you draft Brandon Cooks, you know you're going to get a thousand yard season, typically, and yes. five touchdowns. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it this year. It didn't. That's not the way the cookie crumbles. He's played with worse. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's played with the, the best. Sure. But he on the Texans, he's been on there for the past three years. They didn't have a good quarterback. I mean, they had Deshaun Watson to be fair. But I mean, last yeah. year, last year uh, with uh, the suspension, they still had questionable quarterback play. He still put up. Thousand yards, six touchdowns. Right. You expect that out of Brandon Cooks. That is yeah. a, an expectation. Thousand yards, six touchdowns. He and especially when he asked for his for a trade before mm -hmm. the trade deadline, and it didn't happen because they're essentially holding him hostage. Like I don't know all the drama behind it or whatever, but there was there there the idea of greener pastures for Brandon Cooks was essentially on the back end of his career. That was that was in store for him. That that could have happened for him. So it's a, yeah, I'm not mad about drafting Brandon Cooks at all. No, I mean, unfortunately, he has 500 yards and one touchdown. It is uh, what he, it is. You know, the logic is there where he is just so consistent, maybe not a blow the top off of your week, but he's going to put up his projection and not cost you your week. Right. And unfortunately, this year he has done that. And maybe he's going on to the tail end of his career and he's not as explosive as he once was, but I'm going to mostly probably blame the team on this aspect, but maybe that's what I should have thought of beforehand. Maybe the team, this is the team, the lack of talent is going to be the one that hinders him this year. Uh, Possibly. But I went with the consistency of Brandon Cooks and it didn't work out. Yeah, which I think, again, going into it, that would have been a fair bet. Uh, he was able to produce with Davis Mills at quarterback last season, they hadn't made any demonstrable changes at wide receiver. I mean, other than, I mean, they drafted John Mechie, but we didn't know that Mechie was going to wind up, you know, testing positive for cancer, mm -hmm. right? 
So it's just, yeah. I mean, there was there was a positive outlook like for the team. And then lo and behold, I mean, Davis Mills is still Davis Mills. They wind up switching to Kyle Allen. Now they're back to Davis Mills and like you know, all, you know, all this other stuff. But sure. the Texans are still the Texans. And so that's mm-hmm. fine. That was we knew what we were getting into when we drafted Brandon Cooks. Right? Yeah. So, you know, this this was this was a possibility. But it was kind of like, to me, I thought that this potential was not necessarily baked into his ADP, but it's just we knew Brandon Cooks to be such a good wide receiver that he could rise above it. And it didn't happen for the first time in how many years? Okay, cool. All right, fine. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, just for a quick little backstory, uh, while I do talk about potentially investing more in the wide receiver position, uh, a quick example in that in one of these uh, leagues of three wide receivers must be started. Uh, I decided to still go a little bit on the RB heavy side. So I went Austin Eckler first round, Leonard Fournette second round. And of course, you know, but by, by then the elite wide receivers are gone when you go to the third round. Uh, So of course I took Mike Evans Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, originally that's probably not the best idea. You took two, two Tampa Bay players, but those players are just so, consistent i didn't think much of it and then of course after that it took lamar jackson it didn't work out uh gabriel davis didn't work out yeah, and then yeah. of course uh like i mentioned darren waller didn't work out and then brandon cooks right after that didn't work out Oof, i took yeah, i took a-, a lot i took a lot of consistent players that i felt like okay these guys they're do their job no issues i think every one of those players didn't necessarily work out other than austin eckler yeah but still, and, like each at the ADP for each of the players that you mentioned, I mean, they were they were logical bets to make. I mm-hmm. mean, you could go back right now and like do revisionist history on all that. Like, oh, instead of instead of Mike Evans, you should have drafted uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, instead of drafting Darren Waller, you should have waited it and like picked up uh, I don't know, like Dallas Goddard, like a few rounds later. Like anybody can yeah. play that game at this yeah. point. But it's like nobody would have made that same bet like back in August when when the money was on the line and when like you're essentially I mean, when the skin would need to have been in the game for you to make it like a legitimate decision, like nobody would have like nobody would have faulted you for making that bet. Mm-hmm. And which is why I kind of altered my strategy a little bit to thinking, OK, maybe I should have invested more into wide receivers, because right now I look at my wide receivers after the draft. It's Mike Evans, Gabriel Davis and Brandon Cooks. I think to myself, okay, that's a solid wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. But now you look at it at the end of the season, that's a pretty bad wide receiving core. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, and then now I'm kind of thinking, okay, like it's either you have elite wide receivers or you don't have elite wide receivers. And they, yeah. there's no in between anymore. You are the wide receiver one of your football team, of the actual NFL team, because you're the wide receiver one. If you mm-hmm. draft wide receiver twos, Congratulations, you drafted inferior wide receivers. And to your point mentioned earlier, when you have three wide receivers on a 12-team league and you have that many already taken apart must start, as you look at the wide receivers, as I look at just the quick rankings list, uh, 38 is Mac Hollins, DJ Tark, (laughs) Marquise Valdez-Scanley, Van Jefferson, Isaiah McKenzie is 43, Robert Woods is 44. Like It's not good. Yeah, brother, you don't want to be drafting the other. You you don't you not want to be relying on them on a week to week basis. I mean, their own teams are relying on them on a week to week basis. So why should our fantasy squads be relying on them on a week to week basis? That don't make any sense to me. 
it doesn't not not at all and it doesn't that's just you know the tail end of it once you start going towards the middle it's still not that ideal i mean michael gallup right now is ranked wide receiver 34 for this week projected i should say george pickens is 33 darius slayton is 32 zay jones is 31 it's still not ideal no it's not that ideal so uh if you go to the running back risk like like i mentioned earlier you can get james cook put him in your rb2 slot and you can feel pretty confident that he he's not going to put up a donut but you have such elite wide receivers out there that it'll be more than making up for it. Because all, all Tyreek Hill has to do is just cast one pass. And not only did Literally, he make his projection, yeah. Yeah. but he exceeded it. Yeah. Because anything else is just sprinkled to cherry on top. And then somebody like Jalen Waddle that you drafted probably in the fourth round, all he has to do is catch one pass. Now, he's, he might be injured right now. but It could be, yeah. Like T. Higgins, you drafted him in the third, fourth round. He exceeded his ADP. DK Metcalf exceeded his ADP. You know, Tyler Lockett, Christian Kurt, Garrett Wilson, you know, Amari Cooper has been playing on a very high level lately, yes. so on and so forth. So having elite wide receivers has less detrimental effects to your football, fantasy football team, than having wide having elite running backs and then mid-tier receivers. I agree. And I think that a lot of it almost feels counterintuitive because as a lot of analysts and including myself will point out that rushing games have become more efficient this season. It's still a it's still an elite wide receiver league just because those are the guys that are getting the first looks when their quarterbacks are under pressure. Uh, they're receiving like the largest amount of their teams, uh, like target shares, air yard shares or whatever, especially once they get down into the red zone. I mean, they they are their team's weapon. Like they, they are the key factor to the team getting into the end zone. And then the rest of those guys, they're just like, you know, they're ancillary players like the Adam Thielens of the world, uh, Deontay Johnson's of the world. The I mean, you shoot, you can throw Gabe Davis in there. I mean, like we yeah. know what their roles are from a real fan like from a real football standpoint so we should treat them as such like when we consider them from a fantasy standpoint too yeah right now with gabriel davis he is a touchdown or bust type of player big play touchdown bust type of player if he does not catch his one to one catch for a touchdown he's maybe putting up four or five fantasy points and mm -hmm. that's gonna be detrimental to, to your fantasy team because you drafted him in the fifth round. You don't have a solid replacement for him unless you happen to get somebody on the waivers. I know we always tell people scour the waivers, scour the waivers, scour the waivers, but mm -hmm. there's going to be 11 other players scouring the waivers as well. Right. And if you don't get your player, then what? Then no, you're stuck with Gabriel Davis. Yeah, you should. that's not ideal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, for crying out loud, number 49 is Elijah Moore. He was almost cut from the team to bench to inactive <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah. Nick Westbrook Akini is number 50. Like, who I, I can't, like, I don't even remember a time he's done something. Devontae Parker's 51. Who? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's sad at this point when you start reaching that point of wide receivers. And those people are going to be starting this week. Right yeah. Now, in a lot of leagues, Isaiah McKenzie, 43, which isn't even a bad start necessarily, but like Robert Woods, he's going to be in people's starting lineup. Devin Duvernay is going to be in people's starting lineup. Julio yeah. Jones, yeah. Demarcus mm -hmm. Robinson, Marvin Jones, you know, for example, there are going to be people in, starting, in, in people's starting fantasy lineup. I already know they're going to lose their week because of it. Right. And, and that is the, the detriment of not having elite wide receivers, in my opinion, when you have a three wide receiver league, which is starting to become a little bit more popular in the fantasy football community. 
Uh, a little bit, yeah. I, I think uh, is it Yeah, I forget like which uh, which website defaults to that. That might be NFL, if I'm remembering mm -hmm. correctly. That might default to three wide receivers, but I have been seeing that a bit more in my own like casual leagues over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think Yahoo defaults to two wide receiver half point PPR. The NFL, then. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I think I know in the Twitter sphere, uh, Superflex is the big thing. But I think mm -hmm. Yahoo put out some statistics that I think like 66% of Yahoo leagues are two wide receiver half point PPR league. So okay. I, I always have to remind myself that uh, Superflex is such a Twitter minority in the NFL community. It is, and that's more for the dynasty community. Yeah. If I'm if I'm also if I'm being quite honest, at least from my own like personal experience. Uh, but I haven't been in too many super flex like redraft leagues, yeah. like just straight redraft. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that it was a huge rant in the in the in the draft process. Do you think? Do you think you have anything else that you would like to add on before we probably wrap up this episode? I think we're rolling it over an hour so far. Uh. No, I, don't, I think we hit all the high points, right? I mean, looking at like elite quarterbacks, how to approach like the wide receiver positions, uh, even took like a shot at like tight ends. You either got an elite one or you don't. No, I think we hit it all. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the things that we also need to look at for wide receivers is Sheen will always say this. He, he goes to target percentage or share percentage. Like how many targets are you getting per game? The target percentage shares. And if you're under 20, he doesn't consider you at all. Oh, and, uh huh. If you're getting under 20% of the target, which is a good idea, uh, especially when you're looking at the upper elite tier wide receivers, you know, if Tyreek Hill's only getting two, three targets per game, maybe he's a little bit too high risk of a wide receiver to draft that early. Obviously, the, you know, that's not the case, but you know, throwing out a hypothetical for hypothetical reasons. And then, of course, looking at quarterbacks that target a bunch of wide receivers, like for example, Josh Allen. Now he's like you mentioned earlier, he's spreading the ball significantly around to the point where if you're not throwing it to if you do not have Stefan Diggs in your fantasy lineup or in general, then there's no point in investing in any other player on that team because they're picking up the scraps for Stefan Diggs and they're fighting between the scraps of everybody else on that team. Like for example, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, you know, it, it was mm -hmm. so useless to have somebody else to not name Devontae Adams because Aaron Rodgers was more likely to throw the ball away than to throw a ball to a wide receiver not named Devontae Adams, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's uh, I. the only caveat that I would add to that, or not, remember not even a caveat, but just like an addendum to that, is looking at like how these wide receivers accrue their targets. So you were talking earlier about like having Mike Evans and Gabriel Davis like on, on your squad, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that looking at like those two specific players, like they get their targets almost the exact same way. Right. Like like primarily they are like perimeter wide receivers. I know Mike Evans saw like a lot more uh, slot work last season. But Gabriel Davis is like 90 percent like on the outside. I mean, yes. it's really like it is Diggs. It is McKenzie. Uh, what they added, like uh, Jamison Crowder, like in the offseason, like they have like their interior receivers. So trying to structure your roster almost in the same way an NFL team would where it's like, OK, we've got our elite wide receiver like we've got our justin jefferson we've got our Devonte adams tyree co whatever like the guy that can play outside and in but then for our purposes like we would want to have uh 
you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster, an Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I mean, Elijah Moore to a degree. Like going into the season, Elijah Moore would have been fine because we knew yes. that he could play X, he could play Z, you know, whatever. A Drake London, a Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, like those guys that are going to like rack up, at least in theory, those four, five, six car targets on the interior has the shorter A dot, high percentage targets or whatever. So it's like the highs of our elite players, like even if they do wind up having, you know, a dud game, like their their floor could be offset by, you know, five, six targets from an Adam Thielen with a touchdown. Elijah Moore catching, you know, six, seven targets in a game and then getting a touchdown. Like, so I think if you are going like wide receiver heavy, understanding the archetype of wide receiver that you're investing in. So it's not just like if I were to say that you were drafting, uh, so let's see, Mike Evans, Gabriel Davis, and then let's say for lack of a better, for, for a better option, uh, I'll go ahead and throw out like Chase Claypool. Like those three wide receivers, right? Like by name, you would say that, oh, okay, you know, coming into the season, I can kind of, I can kind of get behind that, you know, Chase Claypool is all right. But again, you're all, you're looking at three like primary, like downfield, like threat, like types of guys where there's a little bit of volatility that you're injecting into your, in, onto your team on a week to week basis. Cause where if like, if Gabriel Davis hits, boom, all right, my week is made. But if he doesn't hit, and Mike Evans doesn't hit and, you know, the Chase Claypool doesn't hit, which has been the case more often than not this season, then your floor is really low. Like mm -hmm. you are talking 12 points across the entirety of your receiver group. So that'd be the only addendum that I would tack on to that is that you always want your wide, like your elite wide receiver, the guy that can work inside and out and like whatever, but then kind of like kind of adding in some of those guys that play on the interior will rack up some of those like shorter a dot targets whether it's your alan lazards whether it's your jujus whether it's like what we what we thought was going to be Kadarius tony christian kirk tossed him in there hunter renfro before he got hurt like those types of guys where you've got you know high floor high ceiling for your wide receiver one let's say medium floor but like somewhat high ceiling with your wide receiver two and then just a complete toss up with your wide receiver three because I mean, he could have a low floor but his ceiling could be really high you know, like the Alan Lazards, the Christian Kirks or whatever, because they might get a decent target share, but because of their quarterback situation, because of the way that they play their wide receiver position, because they're primary outside, whatever. I mean, they might add, they might get you six points one week. They could get you 16 points the week after that, that sort of thing. Yes. I think a lot of consistency in the wide receiver position also kind of is necessarily something you have to think of. If you're looking at an elite wide receiver one that you're drafting in the first couple of rounds, you better look at the target share and it should say probably more than five targets a game. And if yeah. you're doing that and getting five receptions a game, then you're probably looking at yourself at a consistent wide receiver that, you know, isn't going to hit that terrible floor of a donut to three points a game. Uh, he's going to get at least, you know, five catches, 60, 70 yards. And, you know, if he gets a touchdown, then that just makes your week or it makes his projection done to the point where he is uh, helping your fantasy team win rather than hinder it. Like how I did with my fantasy football draft on that one league where necessarily mm -hmm. like, it, 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 like you mentioned, if the, they are more likely than not to put up 12 fantasy points across the board, than they are to win me my week. And if one of them hits, that's cool. He's making up for the other two that didn't hit mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. If two of them hit, they'll make up for one of them. And then of course exceed a little bit, which is cool. Um, they won't they want to they won't make up for Lamar Jackson because 
he's not doing too much this year, but still, that's a different story for another time. And then, of course, if all three of them hit, then you probably won your week. But what are the sure. chances all three of them hit? Exactly. Incredibly um, unlikely. Yes. And yeah. more often than not, like you mentioned, they're not going to hit. And if they do, you automatically lost your week. That's three wide receivers that didn't hit while you're going against Jamar Chase on the other side, who mm-hmm. who hit for not only his team, but then maybe on the second second turn, he took Travis Kelsey, who's obviously going to hit. And then all of a sudden, you are playing completely from behind where you need a miracle from Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, or whatever elite RB that you took in the first two rounds. And it doesn't matter if they hit because you still lost because your wide receivers didn't hit. Yeah, bingo. You got it. Yeah. It's hard to play from behind in fantasy football. And it's hard to expect big games from players and positions that a lot has to go right for them to hit. Like a running back, you know, if he's getting five yards per carry, he's he's on track for the Hall of Fame. But that's still half a fantasy point. All a wide receiver has to do is catch one pass for one yard. And then he gets point six which is already more than whatever running back got right there. And he's considered a bum if he does that. So it's so much easier to accumulate fantasy points from a wide receiver position. So you might as well invest in elite players in that position, especially when you have in the need to draft three of them just to get started on the week. And if you need four, then of course for the flex spot, I want to account for, then uh, it just adds a little bit more emphasis to that position. Of course you can start three running backs, but in order to start three running backs, that means you have to have gone heavy in the running back positions earlier on in the draft, which means you don't have wide receivers, which means, of course, like we mentioned just a couple moments ago, that your wide, your running backs have to hit every yep. single week in yep. order to make up for the wide receivers. And then, of course, you know, if you happen to draft two wide receivers, just like Drake London or Chris Olave, Christian Watson, then, of course, then, then you're starting to look back in the elite teams where, you know, your end of draft hit. But what's the chances that your end of draft hits? I always tell people, uh, you know, at the end of the year, look at your draft from the seventh round and then lower and see how many of those players ended up on your roster. And I guarantee you, almost none of them did. Uh, that's that's typically the case, yeah. Yeah, so I, it's saying like, oh, you know, late round sleepers, late round draft picks, stuff like that. They, they, they just don't hit. Usually you pick up your end of year starters from the waiver wire, not necessarily your draft picks. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. So is there any other closing statements before we try to wrap up this episode? No, I think that's it, man. Appreciate yeah. you having me on. No, of course. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, find me on Twitter uh, at Chris Allen, FFWX. Uh, right and contribute for a number for a number of spots uh but yeah if you got any questions or whatever come hit me up on twitter yeah i mean i always try to think like oh man i want chris allen on this episode i want chris allen on this episode but <laughs> of course with Sheehan being uh sick and uh you know usually him in that goddamn england time zone imagine being like like they're, okay oh here I, I finally thought of it what's more embarrassing than being a raiders fan being from england <laughs> All right. God, God damn. And he's Australian too. So he voluntarily chose to go to England from Australia. That is even rough. Worse. It's even yeah. worse. I know. Like he went from being like, oh man, I live with snakes, deadly ass spiders, Komodo dragons, yeah. and all that. Like, you know, like badass shit to, to England where like they cry if they don't have their morning tea. Yeah. Goddamn tea and crumpets, fish and chips, and all that stuff. Like, oh, God, get that out of here. <laughs> Imagine being from England. God, I would. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No, thanks. Anyway. 
All right. Well, of course, that's going to have to wrap up this episode. I know we didn't really talk about fantasy football starts and sits, stuff like that. But of course, with the timing of this episode, I felt like we may have uh, over talked about it or not not over talked about it. But by the time the game start and this episode comes out, then uh, it would become redundant. So I kind of wanted to avoid that as much as possible. So, of course, I hope you enjoyed the episode. But other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. And...